Hello everyone and welcome to episode 288 of So You Want to Be a Writer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Alison Tate. How are you, Al? I'm okay, Valerie. Just I feel okay? Well, you know, we, we as we discussed last week, the school holidays are upon me yeah. and so therefore, you know, there's there's only so much glee and excitement one can have at any time. Trying to write things and trying to get admin things done mm. and all that sort of stuff with a couple of, you know, teenage boys moping about is uh, is not easy. Although I will say, look, let, let me let me qualify that all of those things. Um, it is a lot easier than it used to be. Yes, and I will yes. say that. It is a lot easier than it used to be. Um, you know, if you're still out there in the trenches with young kids and school mm. holidays and all of those things, I feel your absolute pain. It does get better. The perils of being an author. I mean, well, the perils of being any kind. Well, the perils of being any kind of work at home parent. Like it's not just it's not just authors and and, you know freelance writers and all of those things. Although you know that's obviously our world, so that's what we most understand. But you know, there's a lot more people working from home now, and the the logistics of managing school holidays and things like Mm. that when the kids are around because they get bored. And while I am all for kids getting bored, like we've talked in the past about. Um, you know, various things I've written about the importance of boredom for creativity and for encouraging kids to, you know, get get out there and do their own things. I'm all over boredom. Um, mm-hmm. We don't schedule every five minutes of our holidays for that reason. I think mm-hmm. it's really important that they're kind of rolling around going, I'm bored. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't make listening to that any easier. <laughs> so, you know, okay. lest you think I am St. Al. And I'm just sort of like doing this for the joy of my children's creativity doesn't make it any easier, I hear. And, of course, if you're new to this podcast, Alison is also known as A.L. Tate, author of the popular Mapmaker Chronicles and Adaban Adaban Cypher book series. And I'm CEO of the Australian Writer Centre, where you'll find lots of writing courses and a great writing community. So we, if you are new, we are dropping this weekly podcast on you because we love writing and we love sharing our love of writing with our community. So welcome if you're Welcome. New. Welcome mm. to our world. We actually welcome. just record the podcast so that we can talk to each other. Yeah, that's, that's what we do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we've got some things that would be of interest to aspiring writers out there because there are competitions, short story competitions, novel writing competitions, just general um, writing competitions for kids and adults. But you have a couple that you want to share with us, correct? Yes. Well, I want to highlight this one particularly this week because we're in um, the first week of New South Wales holidays and I'm not sure if Queensland has actually gone back yet, but anyway, um, the Andy Griffiths Kids Writing Competition is underway as we speak. Yes. Um, and this is an opportunity for kids who love to write uh, to get a story illustrated by um, Terry Denton. So oh, it's cool. a it's a pretty exciting um, it's a pretty exciting thing. It, I know that it's a massively popular competition. So if it is something that your kids might be interested in, you know, get on board. Um, every year, Dimmix and Pan McMillan invite Australian kids to get creative. Um, it's judged by Andy Griffiths, of course, who is the powerhouse author behind the mm. rip roaring Treehouse series, which is constantly on you know all of the top you know, kid, yes. most popular kids' books um, to celebrate the release of the 117-storey Treehouse. <laughs> um, 
they kids need to write a, an imaginative short story. Uh, the one major prize winner will receive their story framed with illustrations by Terry Denton. Um, and the top five entries, including the winner, will each win an Andy Griffiths book pack containing eight books as well. So, you know, the theme is basically if you could add a level to Andy and Terry's treehouse, what would it be? So you need to be a little bit familiar with the whole treehouse uh, thing mm. and entries close on the 30th of September 2019 which is before the next holidays or as I think the first day of the of the next holidays so you need to get onto it now because otherwise term time will get too busy and that'll be the end of you so do there's you that think, one do you think that like when these kids grow up they'll still be reading the 40,293rd story treehouse look I I don't really know like I, it's a it's a funny thing you know because um so my youngest is now you know 12 going on 26 <laughs> and he he um obviously like got on board the treehouse train you know many years ago mm. um and so he's now technically you would imagine mm. too old for treehouse books um and yet we still get them we still have to go and get the the latest one he will want me to to buy him the treehouse because there's something about the the worlds and there's those wonderfully you know intricate um mm. illustrations and all of that and that kind of crazy wacky zany thing that goes on and the thing that I find fascinating about them is anyone who's listened to my interview like a thousand years ago with Andy Griffiths um will the, the difference between the way that Andy approaches writing them and the, the the thing that's on the page, the actual, you know, finished result is quite extraordinary. Like we had a very, very serious and sober conversation about writing, um, which still remains one of my favourites because I have never, ever had such an intense conversation about bums in my life mm-hmm. um, because, of course, he is the author also of The the Day My Bum Went Psycho. We talked about where he got the idea for that one from um, and how he convinced a publisher to publish it. Like, let's just... Mm-hmm go there um but yeah it's really worth having a listen to that to that interview if you are familiar with the treehouse books because it's a you know he's got a very very logical approach to writing which you don't necessarily would not necessarily think was the underpinning of those books um so yeah I I think we'll be still looking at many stories of treehouse to come to be honest yeah, I bet we are. I mean, and in the meantime, stop. your kid can write one. So, you know, let's get in there and have a crack at that. Absolutely. There's also one from the Buzzwords Short Story Prize for 2019, right? Yep, that's right, Buzzwords Magazine, um, which uh, we've talked about as well in the past, again, for children's uh, authors. It's a fortnightly newsletter that is emailed out and it's full of industry news and all sorts of things. It's really worth uh, the price of subscription, which I think is, you know, uh, there you go, it's $48 a year for 24 issues and really worth it. It really will immerse you in, if, if this is an area that you're interested in, it will immerse you in an area in that area. Um, anyway, they have announced the Buzzwords Short Story Prize for 2019. It's an annual prize awarded to recognise excellence in short story writing for children. So this one is for adults writing for children. The the short story in question has to be suitable for readers 8 to 11 years old, so quite specific. There is a first prize of $1,000, which is not to be sneezed at, a second prize of $500, and the next uh, top five entries will be assessed and edited by the competition sponsor, Diane Bates. Um, so look, it's again, 
if you're if if you know writing for children of this age is something that you are interested in, uh, definitely worth you know putting your um, your hand you know in for that. The finalist judge for the competition is Diane Blacklock, uh, former former publisher and general manager of Omnibus Books. The shortlist judge is the wonderful Sue Whiting, of course, who is a presenter at the Australian Writers Centre, mm-hmm. and um, who we have also interviewed on the podcast. Yeah. She is the former senior commissioning editor and publishing manager at Walker Books, uh, teaches writing courses for the Australian Writers Centre, and is of course a very successful author in her own right. So you know, again, definitely have a look at that one um, because it's a, you know, when you're looking for publishing credits and a foot in the door, every single every single thing counts. Um, so maybe and check that out. And it gets your work in front of people in the industry, that's, in front of decision makers in the industry. That's right. And that competition's open to writers who are permanent residents of Australia as of the 1st of July 2019. So there's a bit more of a specific... Um, you know, what do you want to call it? So if you don't live here, move here to... Immediately. (laughs) Immediately. Oh, and it closes on the 2nd of September 2019. So you've got time. Awesome. And if you want to write for adults, a great short story competition is Furious Fiction. So go to furiousfiction.com.au. It's run by the Australian Writers' Centre and it's run every month on... Uh, and the prize is $500 every month is um, it's awarded. And if you're not familiar with Furious Fiction, it happens – there's lots of Fs involved. It happens on the first <laughs> – <laughs> lots of Fs started – the first month it started was in February, but that's by the by. It's on the first Friday of every month, and it starts at 5 p.m. on the Friday, at which time you'll be delivered – clues or parameters which you need to include in your 500 word short story so it's very very short 500 word short story uh, and it goes for 55 hours and ends at midnight on Sunday by which time you will need to have submitted your story and then we judge them and Mm. there's a winner who wins $500 so it's very very cool and last month we had a record month with Oh, well over a thousand entries, um, and it's really great fun to see the 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 caliber of the people out there. But it's also really great fun for participants. We know groups who have furious fiction parties, and they get together at pubs and stuff to work on their furious fiction pieces. And um, it's just so great to see this community evolve from uh, this monthly short story competition. And get out there, get in it, because it really does flex your writing muscle and just think of it as something fun and if you happen to get win get short sorry if you happen to get shortlisted or or win that's a bonus yeah and also a big shout out to those people who have um because again you know if you're on twitter or you're on facebook you can see people talking about this and it's a real community building exercise Mm. so get involved get involved big shout out to ray c who has of course entered every single competition so yes. far he's I think he's one of our um one of our most you know long-lasting frequent flyers so yep, um, frequent flyers at furious <laughs> fiction another f's uh, more f's um yes. so yeah big shout out to ray and um and well done for, for for entering every month it's brilliant as you say it's a great way to flex your writing muscles mm. All right, so we've also want to give a big shout out and thank you to everyone who has left us a review on Amazon for our book written by Alison and myself. Yes, yes. So you want and to be I a want writer. to say, 
I want to say thanks to Faz, and Faz says, um, gave us five stars to go with our F theme. Thanks, um, Faz. Thanks, Faz. Uh, loved that it is so easy to read. The message is very clear. Just start even a little bit. And isn't that the truth? I had to laugh mm. when people were, were first reading it and they were like, I'm up to, I had to get to page three before I got to just finish the book. <laughs> and, uh, I was like, really? Did it take us that long? <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. All right. If you don't have a copy yet, you can grab yourself a copy from Amazon or from our website. So you want to be a writer.com.au slash book. Right. Let's move on to our competition this week. We have, thanks to Madman Entertainment, 10 double passes to Apollo 11, a oh. cinematic event 50 years in the making crafted from a newly discovered trove of 65mm footage, this film takes us straight to the heart of NASA's most celebrated mission, the one that first put men on the moon and forever made Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin into household names. Immersed in the perspectives of the astronauts, the team in mission control and the millions of spectators on the ground, we vividly experience those momentous days and hours in 1969 when humankind took a giant leap into the future. It's in cinemas 18th of July, but we have 10 double passes to give away. So go to writercenter.com.au slash win. Entries close on the 15th of July. And we know this is going to be popular because everyone loves astronauts and space. So writercenter.com.au slash win. All right, let's move on to, are you ready for the word of the week, Al? I don't know. You know, after Manacious last week, I'm, a, you know, the issue of the spelling. I'm not sure, but, you know, okay, I'm ready to I'm, put it this way. I'll give you another go. Okay. This week it's dight. D-I-G-H-T. So like sight except mm. dight. Mm. Well, probably sight wasn't the best example because there's many ways to spell sight. Mm. So like light <laughs> but with a D, okay. dight. Do you know what dight means? D-I-G-H-T. This means... I do not. Well, it this means to make ready or prepare. So you might say, I'll dight the table before we sit down for dinner. Yeah, I know. Good, huh? I thought you'd uh, think so. Foul. <laughs> Seriously? No yes. one is going to say I'll dight the table they're not they might they'll say I'll set the table because that's what we do right yeah well why would you dight because you might like the word okay again sorry yes dight (laughs) if anyone out there has ever in their entire existence used the word dight in this way then please I would like examples thank you okay hashtag dight yeah, hashtag diet. Yes, exactly. Make sure you use it in somewhere, even if on Twitter or something, just to prove Alison wrong. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Who is our writer in residence this week? Oh, look, I'm so excited because our writer in residence this week is the delightful, and I know mm. how delightful she is, Megan Daly, who is the author of a wonderful nonfiction book called Raising Readers, all about how to raise readers, how to get kids reading, how to keep them reading, how to choose books, how to do all of those things. It's an, it's a really great book and I can say that because I wrote a section for it which is all about the importance of reading for writing 
for kids. Um, and also Book Boy wrote a piece for it. It's like a family event, this book. Yes. Um, she, uh, book Boy wrote a piece for this uh, book about, you know, being a, a teenage boy reader and how he finds his books and why he thinks um, – why he thinks kids stop reading in their early teens because a lot do. Um, they sort of get busy with other things. Um, so we, Megan and I are, of course, co-hosts of the Your Kids Next Read Facebook group. Um, and so we had, you know, pretty much just a chat. It was a little bit like talking to you, Val, in that mm-hmm. sense of we forgot that we were recording. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm, I can't – it could go anywhere is all I'm saying. It could go anywhere. And just before we start, I would like to say this too um, – your Kids Next Read is about to have its first ever live event. Um, it's going to be in Brisbane and I'm going to have um, more How details cool. for you. I, oh, look, we're so excited. It will be That's Megan crazy. Daly, me and Alison Rushby. Um, we are, it's a meetup. You can come, meet each other, talk about books. We're going to talk about books. We'll have books there. Um, I'll bring some copies of So You Want to Be a Writer, the book along, in case anybody would like one of those. Um, but we are, it's its going to be massive and we're very, very excited about it. So I'll be sharing more details about that um, next week. But it is uh, going to be in Brisbane and it is going to be in Book Week, Wednesday the 21st of August. Do you August. have a venue yet? Or? Uh, it's got – it's – to be announced, it's coming. Okay, fantastic. I want to. I want to save it for. I, I want you know balloon, balloons and trumpets next week. I'm just giving because I'm talking to Megan this week. I'm just giving you the heads up. Anyway, let's talk to Megan. Megan Daly is passionate about children's literature and sharing it with young and old alike. In daylight hours, Megan is a teacher librarian at St Aidan's Anglican Girls' School and was recently awarded the Queensland Teacher Librarian of the Year by the School Library Association of Queensland, as well as the National Dromkin Librarian's Award presented by the State Library of Victoria. Try saying that quickly. She clearly thinks sleep is overrated because Megan's first book, Raising Readers, How to Nurture a Child's Love of Books, was recently published by the University of Queensland Press. So, Welcome to the program, Megan Daly. Thank you so much for having me. Um, Now, I also need to fully disclose that Megan and I know each other very well. We are both admins of the Your Kids Next Read um, Facebook community. But beyond that, we are friends and have known each other for for quite some time. So I'm very excited about having you here with your first book. Um, And I think it's fair to say that you've always considered yourself to be a reader, not a writer. Absolutely. (laughs) Here you are with your first book. How did your publishing deal come about? Well, um, (laughs) it's a bizarre one. I have been uh, reviewing the work of other people for a very long time now on my blog, Children's Books Daily, because I have always been a reader. My mother is also a teacher librarian and I grew up as a reader and I was a primary school teacher, always with the intention of becoming a teacher librarian. And then I started my blog and I got very involved in the Children's Book Council of Australia for some time and just became in with the world of children's and young adult writing. So I was reviewing people's work all over the place on my blog um, and I was starting to do a little bit of speaking around the place in Brisbane where I live um, about children's books and at one of the events that I spoke at, I call it the worst event I've ever done in my life because um, the venue had clearly forgotten to advertise that I was coming and the other 
events I'd done in that week had between 60 and 80 people at them and this one had about four. Um, And one of those people that was there was Christina Schultz from UQP, someone I have admired for a very, very long time. And I was absolutely mortified she was there because, like, it was just – it was like a conversation for an hour and it was – it just was awful. Anyway, at the end of the worst event I have ever done in my life, Christina came up to me. She said, have you ever thought about writing a book? And I said, no. And I just looked at her. I said, no, no, I have not. Um, no. Yeah. I said, no, I, I actually can't write. She said, well, actually, you can write. You, you write a blog. And I said, yes, and I have apostrophes flying all over the place. Actually, I wonder if Val and I would actually get on. Because I know she loves an apostrophe. And my technique with apostrophes, Alison Tate, is to sort of throw them at the screen and hope that a few of them will land in the right spot. The and I have a very Yeah. And I have a I have a dear friend, um, Dr. Linda Logorman, who I regularly get a text message from and it will just be like a I give up on you, you're hopeless, or it'll just be an apostrophe. And that means she's read my blog or something I've written somewhere and the apostrophes are just <laughs> all out of whack and it's then a hunt for me to find where they're meant to be so I just said to Christina oh look I I know I don't I don't write I just review the work of other people I, I couldn't possibly write and that was how the conversation ended but over the next six months, she kept contacting me and we had coffee a few times and, and she said, I, I really think you should write, a, I want you to write a book. She said, I want to publish your book. I want your teach librarian brain in a book. Um, and I just kept saying no. And I was tossing up doing a PhD around the time and my dad, who's an academic, said he didn't really want to do another PhD, which I thought was very rude because I fully intended doing it myself. Um, <laughs> And my husband was like, eh, you know, I, didn't, I just finished my master's. He's like, really? Um, so, yeah. And then Rebecca Sparrow said to me, a good friend of mine is author Rebecca Sparrow, and she said to me, you know, if, if you don't write this book for UQP, they're going to get someone else to do it, and then you'll be really unhappy with it. Mm. And I think at about that point I was like, Ugh. So I remember saying to Christina, look, I think it'll be – I don't know if I can do it, but I'm going to give it a go. Um, And so I signed on the dotted line and um, Dan witnessed it for me and I, um, yeah, and off we went. Fantastic. All right, so we're going to come back to your book in a little moment and the writing of the book, but I actually want to go back to your blog, I think, because that's where this all started, childrensbooksdaily.com. Fantastic place full of reviews and all sorts of exciting things. And I would... I think you would agree that you wouldn't have written the book without it. Like had you not started that blog, had you not started reviewing, had you not sort of put yourself out there a bit with speaking and stuff like that, the book would not have happened. So why did you start the blog in the first place? Um, well, I I had been doing reviews for the Children's Book Council of Australia just incidentally on in reading time and just around the place um, and I had been speaking a little bit when I was the National Vice President of the Children's Book Council and I was the Queensland President. I was enjoying reviewing the books of other people um, and a really good family friend of mine who is um, Belgian, he said to me one day in his lovely Belgian accent, you should be you know, owning all of these reviews in the one spot rather than having them all over the place. And um, my my brother had just passed away and I, I wasn't sleeping and I was up all night and, you know, I was grief-stricken. And he said, I'm going to put a blog together for you and put all of your reviews there and, 
you know, that will fill in the nighttime hours. And it did. And I honestly, from the first time I posted my first review on my blog, and I'm sure nobody read it, um, I just loved it. I, it just felt, and it still feels like I am just having a conversation with myself. I mean, look, it's in some ways a self-indulgent thing to do, to blog. I, I'm really just talking about books I adore. Um, but I just I just so enjoy it. I can do it and it doesn't feel like, well, it isn't work. I just so enjoy the discipline of it. I enjoy how regular you need, regularly you need to update a blog. And then I'm gobsmacked when someone stops me in the street and says, are you Megan Daly from Children's Books Daily? And I'm like, oh, wow, do you read my blog? That's so great. I just... <laughs> I just find it astonishing that people read it and I I really enjoy it. I, I just love it. Well, I mean, a lot of people read it. Like, let's face it, you've got a huge community built, you know, over time. How long have you – when did you start the blog? How many years have you been doing um, About seven years. Yeah, okay. Um, and this great community has, has, has grown up around it and, of course, you know, the Your Kids Next Read group is an yes. offshoot of it and this huge thing that's sort of happening – do you, do you think that blogging helped you to find your writing voice? Like have your posts changed over the years or are they oh my gosh, basically the absolutely. same? Absolutely. I've just upgraded my website because it got the content got too big and I had to upgrade it. And looking back at really old posts, I and I didn't actually delete a lot of them. I deleted a few that just weren't relevant anymore. But Looking back, I just almost cringe when I look at my really, really early writing. It was, yes, I've definitely found my voice and my book wouldn't exist without the blog. I, But the other thing I would say is that my blog has informed the book. I mean, the blog is so much a part of my the book because a blog is a conversation. And yes, it's a conversation really with myself, but, um, you know, it's I it's a very conversational tone my blog and my book <clears throat> I think is is a similar feel it's slightly more well it's, it's a bit more polished I suppose the book but the blog is has very much made me aware that I can write the way I speak which is mm. a lot fast and in a conversational tone yeah which is actually the key I mean it's one of the reasons like I often talk about um, you know, when you're trying to find your writing voice, blogging is a great way to do it because it requires a certain amount of intimacy and yes. yet a certain amount of detachment. So it's actually a great way to find, you know, to find where your voice sits within within that. And the other thing I always think that blogging teaches you that is a great and wonderful thing for writing is is discipline particularly like you've been mm. doing it for seven years and I know you blog regularly like on and off there have been patches where you have not mm. done this much but you know overall like you're putting up posts very very regularly do you what do you think like the discipline of that like what has that taught you as far as you know when it came to getting your book done I just had to sit down and do it. Mm. And I'm still like that with the blog now. I mean, as you know, and I think we'll talk about, my life is very different these days. But mm. I know now that, and I say this to the kids at school and to my own um, 11-year-old daughter who does not is not disciplined with sitting down and doing her homework, you actually just have to sit down and do it. I It's really taught me that you can't wait for inspiration to hit. You know, no, I, I don't understand writers that 
well, it just, I don't know, that just wouldn't work for my life. I couldn't walk around waiting for inspiration. I have to sit down and just start writing mm. and discard a lot of what I've written and be okay with that. I mm. I will often write a whole blog post or I've written whole chapters for my book and then they've never been used. Um, and blogging has taught me that that's okay and that's part of the process, um, not to be precious about my writing and to refine it as I go, but to get writing straight away, to start writing and refine as you go. Okay. So uh, sort of apart from that and the, the book, do you think that blogging has brought you other benefits when it has come to, you know, you, you've got quite a profile these days, one would mm. say. Yeah, look, I, I love it. It's a great um, – I have a great sense of community online. So personally, it's certainly um, I have gained so many friendships um, through my blog, one of them being you, for example. <laughs> but I also have found professionally that my day job is as a um, primary school teacher librarian at St Aidan's and I adore it. I feel like I'm privileged to work in what I call heaven in a school. I adore my job. But my blog has really informed what I do at work. Um, I feel like I have been able to remain really relevant with what is being published. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of um, friendships with authors and illustrators these days. Um, and I feel like I'm able to bring to the students at my school a bit of an insight into the world of children's and young adult writing. And I just... I just think that's just been the perfect combination for me. It wouldn't work for everybody, but for me who is – I've discovered I'm um, not someone who perhaps would suit just a nine-to-five job all of the time. I think my brain's far too crazy for that and a bit creative. I like to have lots of different things on the go, so my blog has allowed me to have a bit of a side hustle, not a big side hustle but money-wise, but it's allowed me to have a side hustle while still being part – it's part of my profession. I've got three degrees in education and children's literature – those three degrees are relevant to my professional life and my blog and my side hustle is also relevant to those. Look at you. You're just such a package. I can't believe it. Oh, look, I'm a, <laughs> I am the total package. The package. Um, not to mention cute and with pink streaks in your hair and other assorted things that go on. Anyway, so tell us about um, tell us about your book. Tell us about Raising Readers. What is the book? Why did you write it? Who's it for? Um, okay, so I spoke a little bit about what Christina Schulz wanted and Christina was absolutely instrumental in this book and it wouldn't exist without her. She really wanted, as I said earlier, my teach librarian brain in a book and I, I hope that's what I've given. It is um, aimed at parents and educators and it basically takes you on a journey, I guess, from your child's reading development from birth right up into the teen and tween years and I've tried to – I tried to keep it conversational in style so that like any good nonfiction book, you could dip in and out of it and it's not too academic. I think it started a bit academic, but Christina um, and Kathy Valance at UQP were quite good at pulling it back and saying, oh, I think you've gone a bit heavy there. It's meant to be conversational and the sort of thing you could have on your breakfast table and dip in and out of as you need to. So I've got um, chapters on the rigour of reading, looking at extending your child's reading, but then I've also got chapters on reading differences and difficulties. I talk about the social life of young readers and how I really love um, literary and book-related events for kids. I've talked about multimodal and digital reading um, with coding being a new literacy and I've talked about um, online storybook readings and gaming and all those sorts of things. I've kind of tried to span everything I 
um, do as a teacher librarian with my children at school and put it all into a book. And I think that what I've been interested in is that lots and lots of parents have emailed me and said this has just been such a fabulous resource for me and now I've purchased it for friends of mine that are having babies. But I've also had a lot of teacher librarians and teachers email me and say, oh, this is just what I needed either to give advice to parents in my class or this is what I needed to um, give me some support um, for my role as a teacher librarian in a school. So I think, you know, with the, there's a campaign online called um, Students Need School Libraries and there's a great website and hashtag of the same name. And one of the things that I've realised through the writing of this book is that Nobody actually knows what teacher librarians do and I'm hoping. <laughs> so true. Yeah. And, you know, and our weight can't be quantified sometimes. You know, there's not um, – we're collecting data these days, but there's not – you know, how do you quantify what a teacher librarian does and the impact that they have on a school community? And yet when I speak to um, parents who do not have a teacher librarian and library at their school – um, or they come to my talks and they see what I offer the students at my school, they can absolutely see the value. And I think in this data-driven society um, with standardised testing being so huge, the schools, there is anecdotal and hard evidence that the schools which have a teach librarian and a thriving school library do have a better reading community and a better um, literacy, um, they have better literacy data than other schools. Mm. See, you're important. You know. Oh, Absolutely. Librarians are vital, yeah. All right, so how did you approach writing the book? Given you'd never written anything, you know, long form like this before, how did you go about, you know, doing it? Did you sort of go, goodness me, I have to write? How many words is it? Well, it's um, it, oh, the manuscript I submitted was way too long. Um, okay. <laughs> it was about 75,000 words and it did get cut back a bit. I'm not sure what it ended up with, but I think they were a bit horrified. <laughs> but as I, as I said earlier, I talk a lot and I write a lot. So dear old Kathy Valance had to remove quite a few of my words. Um, but um, so I approached it by purchasing an Australian Writers' Centre course on using Scrivener. Um, oh, and then, fantastic. Yep, yep. So then I spent a long time doing that course and organising beautiful folders on Scrivener. And then I purchased a new laptop and I made the desktop really pretty. Um <laughs> And I, um, I thought about it for a long time. And then I cleaned a space at our kitchen table. Um, so I did all of those things. All I of the procrastinate options were taken I, up. Yeah. yeah, I circled around the book for a good six months. And then I sat down and I wrote the first two. I slammed out the first two chapters. As you then know, and I suspect quite a lot of the listeners know, my husband, um, Daniel John Daly, passed away suddenly. He had a heart attack while we were away with my family for a weekend and he passed away. Um, and that, of course, changed my life forevermore um, and was, yeah, it's been life-altering. Um, so now looking back on it, I am so, so pleased Dan was there for the start of this book yeah. um, and he exists in the book very much so and the book is dedicated to him and to my brother. Um, but... I then went through this period where, of course, I was just a basket case. Mm. And 
you never get over grief and it's it's a lifelong journey. Um, but I do think the book has been part of me um, finding my way back out of some of those what I hashtagged grief town. Um, those early those early months when I just existed in grief town and you know I was so well supported online at that time particularly I have to say by you Alison Tate um, <laughs> no Alison took over my blog um, with a number of other children's um, writers and teach librarians and they kept my blog going for a good six months and it was remarkable and the support that I had from you and from the children's literature community and from my school which my school were outstanding um, I just thought, you know, I'm still going to do this. And a couple of um, mere weeks after my husband died, my brother and my father thought it would be an excellent idea to smash out a wall in my bedroom um, <laughs> and build me an office that I could write in. Um, so then they left and because uh, I had to work through the week and I had a sarong strung up for a week, just a big <laughs> hole in my bedroom and my neighbours yes and they built me an office which now I look back on and think that was really probably a crazy thing to do but they built me a really beautiful office and um you know I've locked I locked myself in it then um, my parents would come around and look after the girls and I I had a lot of friends that would take the girls for um you know, whole days at a time and I would just write and I found it very, very therapeutic and it was a chance to escape the absolute hell of my life at that time. Mm. So I wrote the majority of those 70,000 words after Dan passed away and when I look back at them now in the book, I don't even recognise a lot of what I've written. Mm. Um, I think I was just in an, an alternate universe. Um, so, you know, it's it's been the most horrific of times and it's been in many ways the most wonderful of times I have experienced a sense of community like I never thought I would be privileged to experience um and this book um I owe a lot to to this book and to the people that helped me to create it Mm. yeah because it was I mean you know obviously you know I was you know part of of your world and of your community at that time. And it was obviously a very, very, very difficult time. Um, And I often wonder how you managed to get through that in many ways, because, Mm. you know, not only were, you know, you, you were dealing, obviously, as you say, you were living in grief town, which was not a, not a great place to be. No. Um, but you were also doing something you'd never done before. Like it mm-hmm. was just such a massive undertaking for you. And um, I was just always very impressed by the fact, I think, you know, you breaking it down into chunks, structuring it yeah. so that you, I mean, it was not only can re- readers dip in and out of it as they, as they read it now, but it was almost like, you know, you were, you were, okay, I'll get this bit done and then I'll get yeah. this bit done and then I'll get that I bit have- done. Those months circling around Scrivener <laughs> were, were in fact well spent um, mm. and, and the course that I did through the Australian Writers' Centre was great and I, I, I revisited that course several times through the process to look at, um, to remind myself of how to do certain things and I, I know I didn't use Scrivener effectively but I found it fantastic in terms of being able to move things around very easily. Um, so I, yeah, I was able to compartmentalise my book um, and I, it was good for me as well to escape Grief Town and, and just go into the world of my book. Yeah. So other writers have contributed to the book, including me and Book Boy, of course, has his first published byline in your book, which he's extremely excited about. Um, Was that a plan from the beginning or was that something that evolved after you began writing? 
Uh, no, it was my plan from the beginning. Um, I don't know that it was Christina's plan from the beginning. As I said, I, I just kept saying to Christina, I can't write. Um, so, you know, I had suggested to Christina and Kathy Valance at UQP that I would ask experts in the field, i.e. my writerly friends, to contribute. <laughs> Everyone I've ever met. Yeah, that's right. Um, because I didn't want – I'm not an expert on something like visual literacy or I, I'm not an expert on teaching children to write, but you are, which is the section that, that you wrote about. Um, so I did want the voices of other people in there. What I didn't realise was that there was a process to be followed and I didn't follow that. I just emailed all of my friends who are writers and I said hey I'd really love it if you could write me a chapter on this this and this and like all these lovely people like you and Wilco Starkus and Des Crump and Alison Rushby they just all did it um and then UQP were like well actually we have to get permissions and there's a, a legal process um so you know <laughs> I wasn't aware of that, having never done this before. So we sort of went about it. I went about it the wrong way. We then had to seek permissions. Um, and UQP also didn't want other people's voices to detract from my voice, which I now understand why, because they wanted the book to feel like it flowed and that all of the styles fitted within my style. But I think that... Um, so some bits were edited, some of the contributors' sections were edited, but at, overall I think it's just added such weight to the book, um, such wisdom and such weight, and I love all of the sections by other people. Can I tell you my favourite section? Yes, please. Okay, so I really don't like school readers and I, um, if when I was writing the section about when your child starts bringing home those horrible readers, I said to Christina, well, I'm probably just going to say, I think they suck. Um, so I'm going to ask um, – I asked Pamela Rushby oh, um, yes. to write me a section on school readers because she's one of my favourite middle grade writers and I knew that she had also written lots of school readers and I assumed she had done that for um, the money because, as we all know, you don't earn an enormous amount of money from writing books. And I, I thought, oh, well, she's just slammed out a few school readers. <laughs> I don't know, I'll pay the school fees or something. No, it turned out. So I asked her if she would write me about a section about how you write school readers. Turns out she quite likes writing them and it's made her writing more disciplined and she finds them fascinating. And I can't tell you, when I speak of, at events now, so many people say, oh, that section on school readers was just amazing. And it opened my eyes as well to what a school reader is actually for yeah. and why they exist. And it just blows me away, such a boring topic in some respects. And somehow Pamela Rushby turned it into this fascinating account of well, it doesn't what surprise they... me she can turn most things into fascinating yeah, accounts like she's <laughs> you know she's she's pretty clever she... um anyway so let's let's just extrapolate slightly from all this because one thing that has come out of this i mean you were doing this beforehand but you are you're really in hot demand as a speaker um, at present, uh, which I'd imagine brings a whole nother world of time management issues for someone who is, you know, managing two children and a job and a blog and a whatever else, you know, on, yes. on your own. So speaking is obviously something that you enjoy because you wouldn't do it otherwise, right? Yes, yeah. I do. I love speaking. What do you think is the key to an engaging event when you're the speaker? Like what do you, what are the, some of the things that you try to, to take to an event when you are the speaker? 
Yeah, well, I, um, I've i done a lot of speaking events since the book's come out and I now have about four different um, presentations, I guess, that I can do in public libraries, school libraries and to groups of parents and at childcare centres. I had to kind of, the first few I did, I felt like they were a bit, discombobulated they were sort of all over the place I've really refined down now to I can speak about this 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 or this Mm -hmm. and I've prepared powerpoint presentations for all of those I I tailor them to each event I prepare quite meticulously for each event I make sure I know where I'm speaking who the audience will be what sorts of things they might want me to talk about so I do tailor it for every event but I try and stick within these sort of four categories I'm meticulously prepared but I don't think on the night you would think that I think on the night you would you would come away thinking wow she just chatted which I yeah (laughs) I still want it to be conversational because I think there's nothing worse than going along to an event and the person just reads from the powerpoint and there's nothing of themselves injected into it Mm so I I I tell lots of personal anecdotes when I'm speaking and I take lots of questions from the audience. I love questions from the audience. Um, And I particularly like it if I'm being interviewed by somebody because those conversations can often be just so fascinating, Um, bring up things I wouldn't have thought about otherwise. But, yeah, I think it's important to inject yourself into your presentations, but you still have to be meticulously prepared because there will be those events where you go, questions? And there's not a single one. Mm. And if you've got nothing else to say, well, that's really awkward. Mm, very awkward when you've still got 15 minutes to go yeah. on, your, on your allocated time. <laughs> um, so you and I, along with the author Alison Rushby, are the admin team for the very popular Your Kids Next Read Facebook group, which has yes. grown exponentially from our first conversation, which was basically, oh, maybe we should make a group, to <laughs> over 7,000 members and, you know, growing every day. Is, is the, the group a useful resource for you in your daily work as a teacher librarian? I find it fascinating. Um, there's not, I don't, well, there's not very many parents from my own school in that group. Um, and I don't have as much contact with parents sometimes as I'd like. I'd love to know their opinions on the books they read, their children are reading. Mm. So I have found it fascinating reading your kids next read because I know what my kids at school like to read but sometimes there's a disconnect between that and what their parents are saying about what they're reading and what they would like their children to be reading Um, and then I've also just been so encouraged to see how many parents passionately believe in providing their children with beautiful quality books Mm. I love it I um and I'm also astounded by how many people are so um gracious in giving their time and their expertise within that group and often by the time I see a question up there that I could perhaps answer or give a suggestion for a book for it's been answered by 20 other people and I think well how great is community oh absolutely it's amazing and the thing I really love about it too is that um, we have such a, a range of expertise in the group there's a lot of uh, teacher librarians there's a lot of booksellers yeah. there's a lot of authors there's a lot you know um there are a lot of parents you know who who are obviously you know specialists in their own fields in different, That's right. different fields and the the breadth of the thing i love about it the breadth of books that are suggested and the ones that people are reading that you would not necessarily pick up yourself for your own kids or whatever and yes. then you see it and you go oh wow okay that would be great for my kid or that um, right. allows us to recommend them to 
to other people who you know who may, who may be looking for a specific thing and you can't read all the books yourself no so being part of a group like this allows you to be part of other people's reading of all it's the a brain's trust yeah, isn't it it's really really interesting and why do you think the group works so well like what do you think it is about I... that community think it works so well because it's unlike other groups that I am in, which might be children's um, lit focused. Some of them are creator groups or um, teach librarian groups. I love this one because it's got such a cross section mm. of the stakeholders mm. within children's reading from the parents to the booksellers, to the authors, to the illustrators. They're, all of the stakeholders are in that group in mm. some form. And I think that, there is a huge amount of knowledge within that group um, in terms of, you know, yeah, you've got just so many people's different opinions. I really like that we opened it up so widely mm. to everybody. Of course, that has meant that we've had to have rules around no self-promotion um, yes. because I think that's something that I find in some of the other groups I'm in. I'm like, well, you know, I know why you're suggesting such and such. That's your product. Um, so I love that we've got quite strict rules around no self-promotion because that's when people start to disengage from a group, when you can see why – one yeah. person. You want the recommendations to be credible. So you do. Yeah, you I think, do. I think that's one of the things that works really well as well. You do. Yeah. No, I just love it. I really enjoy that group and I, I wish I had more time to just spend inside that group. But then when I do put aside time in it, I just always come away thinking, oh, wow, what an incredible community. Mm. All right. Now let's finish up with our, our you know, famous, infamous top three <laughs> tips. And I thought maybe you would like to give us the top three tips for someone who never thought they'd write a book but has, yes. in fact, found themselves writing a book. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Well, my three top tips are to be disciplined with your writing um, and if you have the opportunity to blog, which was obviously how my discipline started, um, I think that is great. So be disciplined with your writing. Make it a, a daily routine. Um, my second tip is to not be precious about your writing and that's something that blogging taught me. I... I um, yeah, you have to really not be precious about your writing. And the editing process taught me that as well. I, mm. I you know, you have to be humble. You know, I, I, I would write whole chapters that I thought were okay and Kathy Valance would kindly say, well, actually, that didn't work. Um, you know. <laughs> Start again. <laughs> and, I, yeah, and, and I think, you know, you can't hold on to your words too tightly. I, I know the product that I have now is the best it can be because I worked with great people. Mm. Um, so I think you have to not be precious about your writing. And my third tip is to read widely. And I think sometimes people worry if they're reading um, in the area in which they're writing that they'll pick up the ideas of others. But I think that um, through all of my reading that I have done in the children's and YA space, I've just, it's helped me find my voice um, and it's helped me know what is appealing to children and to readers of all ages. So even if you don't read the specific genre, if you're writing fantasy, maybe you don't read fantasy, but I think you need to read at the age group um, that you are writing for because it gives you an idea of the voice and the tone that you should be aiming for. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Megan Daly from Children's Books Daily, author of the wonderful Raising Readers. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's always wonderful to talk to you. You know, like we're just having a chat here, aren't we? No one's really listening, are they? My blog, I never think anyone will read it. All right. Well, thank you so much, Megan, and I'll thank see you around the traps. Thank you. 
This podcast is brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre, a world leader in writing courses. If you'd like to write fiction for kids and teens, our five-week online course, How to Write for Children and Young Adults, will help you get there faster. Find your voice, create characters, dialogue and plots to fit your age group and write compelling stories that young readers will love, all in a couple of hours a week. You'll also enjoy the convenience of learning from anywhere and get your very own tutor providing personal feedback on your writing. Find out more at writerscentre.com.au slash children's author. There you go, Megan Daly. That was really cool. Oh, you know, it's great. Like, it's it's kind of interesting. Her story is so interesting because it's not only a story of, you know, obviously passion and knowledge and expertise, but it's a story about the power of blogging because, you know, she started the blog and she was just sort of putting up reviews and then, you know, it's built into this thing. Like, it's become, you know, a real kind of profile thing for her. She's such a force in Australian children's literature mm. because, because she's built a blog now yes. she has a book she's doing a whole lot of speaking work I don't know she's if you've if you're online you will have seen her all over the yeah, internet absolutely. she's doing a whole lot of speaking work you know and and in the middle of all that she had that terrible tragedy you know losing her husband mm. um and managing to kind of you know keep all of this stuff going just you know mm. I think you know in many ways it's, it's part of what held her up through through that terrible mm. time and you know continues to because of course that that is an ongoing terrible time in many ways. So, you know, I'm very, very, um, very, very proud of her and very, very proud to be her friend. Absolutely. I think it's, you know, she's built something really terrific. Wonderful. All right. So um, what's happening in the coming week for you, Al? Uh, well, this is the week of what am I doing this week? I'm just trying to think about it. So let's talk about where we're up to with all sorts of things. Write a book with Al continues, and I'm trucking along with that, which is brilliant. Um, I am heading obviously up to the Wit Sundays, as we talked about, and my my bikini, my authorial bikini is is still hanging on the door. It's still not looking a bit limp <laughs> and not really going, but my lightweight authorial blazer is well and truly in position. Um, and you know what I'm doing? I, this is a, this is about me now, man managing uh, the children in my absence. So I'm mm-hmm. organising them to be in various places when I am not here. Um, and that, as any uh, parent will tell you, every time you leave home, most of your job becomes organising everyone else who's staying behind. Like it's mm. like once you get out the door, it's it's like a load lifts. The authorial scarf is just flung yes. in the air and off I go. Um, so that's <laughs> what I'm doing. What about you? What are you up to? I think I'm going to buy an authorial, not blazer, but it's kind of like a, it's a bit longer than a blazer. I have had my eye on it for a while and um, I think that you would approve. Right. Hmm, I will show you when I have it. I will look forward to it. Will there be like it? Will it go into the authorial capsule wardrobe that we were talking about? I guess so. Well, for for a winter one, yes, because it's a winter, Mm. um, you know, outfit. Nice. Um, but yeah, it's quite authorial. I'll I'll um, take a picture when I actually have it. Excellent. Anyway, let's move on. So we need to wrap up this episode. Where do we find you online, Al? You'll find me at alisontait.com, A-L-L-I-S-O-N-T-A-I-T.com. You'll find me on Twitter at, at Al Tate, A-L-T-A-I-T. And you will find me on Facebook and Instagram at Alison Tate Writer. And you, Val, where do we find you? You'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. And, of course, you'll find all of the show notes at SoYouWannaBeAWriter.com.au. 
Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Writer. You'll find the show notes at writerscentercomau slash podcast or sign up for our awesome and often hilarious weekly newsletter at writerscentercomau slash news where you'll find writing resources, giveaways, competitions and much more.